But tonight, we get to dive into Ezekiel chapter 47. Our last night in the book of Ezekiel. Yep, last night. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Ezekiel chapter 47. Man, we are deep into the Bible. We've been teaching all the way from the beginning. I don't know if you have been, but if you didn't know this, we've been reading a chapter a day, or we're supposed to be reading a chapter a day. Um, and it started, geez, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago or something. And uh, we read one chapter a day, and I teach every seventh chapter in the Bible. And so we're moving all the way through the Bible so we get complete perspective of what the Bible is trying to say to us. And we are now here, we're, we're over halfway through the Word. We're in Ezekiel chapter 47 tonight. And uh, Ezekiel was who? He was a prophet uh, during a time of bondage. Israel was, yes, in bondage to the Babylonians, uh, having some hard times. Because why? Well, they're rebellious against the Lord time and time again. We've talked about this. We've talked about this, family, that when you are rebellious against God, what will he do? He will spank you. Yeah, because God loves his kids. And so if you think that you can run from God and do what he tells you not to do, he will discipline his kids. And so we are in Ezekiel 47 tonight. We looked at a lot of different things. This book is just crazy, okay? It's so radical and, and, and up, down, left, right. I mean, I don't, A, B, select, start. I don't even know. I know, I know, it's terrible. See, you gamers, you got that, uh-huh. Terrible, terrible. But uh, last week, do you remember what we looked at, Ezekiel chapter 40? We looked at the temple, the new temple, the, the temple that is going to be built in the future, that Jesus Christ, our King, will actually reign in. Where will it be? In Jerusalem. Yeah, I'm like standing up here speaking about the future as if it's going to happen. And I'm telling you that it is. That's pretty crazy, huh? For me to say that there's going to be a temple built in Jerusalem, you know where that's at? You drive a long ways that way, okay? And when you hit the ocean, you start swimming. And when you swim all the way, you kind of get into the Mediterranean Sea and there... When, when you come up to the shore, just swim right in the Mediterranean Sea, okay, and just keep swimming straight. When you hit the shore, you've hit Israel, okay? You probably hit Haifa or uh, Caesarea there on the shore. And then right there in the center is Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, there's something called the Temple Mount. And that Temple Mount is not there for no reason. It's where the old temple used to be and was destroyed by the Romans. But now the Dome of the Rock, the Muslim temple, sits there. And we know that Jesus Christ's temple will actually be erected right there in that spot. And he will reign and rule the earth from that spot. And it could happen, hey, within the next hundred years or so or less. Yeah, right? Only takes, uh, it, all it takes is a rapture in seven years and we're out and you know, we start moving forward in that direction. But tonight we will look at something else that Ezekiel is being shown by who? By this angel. This angel of the Lord that has come to him and is giving him a vision. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this happening? I don't think that God chooses to reveal vision or future or um, any kind of uh, dream which would be a word for the people to those who aren't in communion with him daily. I'm talking about being in God's presence. You know, to pray without ceasing, what that means is just to be aware of God's presence all day long. Focused on the things of God. 
focused on the things of God. That's what it was. That's why I heard it in the sermon. That man who went and taught the people of the Philippines to read the Bible, that is the same man. That is the same man who what? Desired to spend an entire day, 24 hours, in complete communion with God with no distraction whatsoever. And he would work day after day after day at it. Just trying to be in sync with God. Just trying to be focused and in communion with Him all day long. It's called practicing the presence of the Lord. What's the author, time? Brother Lawrence, yes. It's a great book. You should go read it. Practicing the Presence of the Lord. Brother Lawrence wrote that. But I believe Ezekiel was a man that desired that and did that and walked in those ways. And God showed him the crazy, the unbelievable. He brought vision to him that he was supposed to speak to the children of Israel. And now, as difficult as it was to portray this, I'm sure the people were very excited and stoked about the information that was given, especially about the temple being built. I mean, that's what they want. That's what they desire, to see the temple built. In Ezekiel chapter 47, we're going to look at two different scenarios that happen. One is where there is water flowing from the temple, and the angel is taking Ezekiel into the water deeper and deeper and deeper. And the second is um, the picture of how Israel is to divide up the nation when they get it back, or as they've been given it back. And so I hope that application will come tonight. It will be information, that's for sure. But I'm relying on the Lord to bring some powerful application. Father, as we open your word again, please speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 47, are you ready? Starting in verse 1. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. Okay, the house is what? The temple. Is that what it says in your translation? The temple? Yeah. The temple. So there's water coming from where? Under the temple. It's coming out from the east side. For the front for the forefront of the house stood towards the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand, went forth eastward. He measured a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Okay, stop there. So, I don't even know how to start imagining this or seeing this, but an angel comes to you. I'm going to show you something. Come with me. Okay, what are you going to do? Not go. Takes him away and starts to show him the temple. And as he takes him to the temple, all of a sudden when he comes out through this door, he sees there below the temple this water start to rush out from under a building. That's pretty radical even to think about. For any foundation cannot have any water under it. And those of you who have done construction would know that. To have any type of water pouring out from under a structure, danger, hello, the whole thing's going to crumble one day. It's the worst thing you could ever do. But interesting. 
This, this temple, this building is not crumbling. And the temple, you know, the stones are massive. If you've never seen them, well, you should go to Israel and check them out. The stones are like probably this, this high, okay? Yeah, probably about four feet. And this wide. Stacked on top of one another. How'd they get there? Who knows? Probably take 10, 15 men just to lift one and put it up in its position. This giant temple, this massive structure, and there's water flowing out from under it. Then, then he sees this, and the angel takes him and takes him a thousand cubits, it says, which a cubit we know is 18 inches. I didn't do that. 18,000 inches? Whoever wants to figure out how many feet that is, you can do that later. Huh? Well, there you go. 1,500 feet. Does it say it? You little sneakies, you little cheats. See that? See that? Try to pull fast one on me like they're mathematicians like, you know, I got, I've seen some crazies out there. Yeah, I'm a math guy. I love that stuff, but I can't do that. But he takes him out into the water and where, where, how deep is he? He's at his ankles. Takes him and all of a sudden stops at his ankles. Random, huh? Random. Takes him out a thousand ankles. Okay, so he's walking in it and he goes 1,500 feet and there he is in his his ankles. The water is touching. Hmm. Verse 4, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to where? My knees. Interesting. What's this about? Why is there specific levels? Why the ankles first and then the knees? Isn't this random? And then he shows, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. They were to my loins, coming up to his waist. And afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen. Wow. The waters were risen. Waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Did you hear that? Now, I've gone back and forth in my mind trying to figure out how does this apply to us? Do I stretch it? Do I become mystical and speak about the depths of a walk with God and how deep are you in this river? Or do I just say to you, I'm not sure why he takes him ankle, knee, waist, then to his chest and he can't even swim anymore. He's overtaken by it. I've heard many preachers speak about this on how deep you are with your walk in God. And I don't know if it's saying that exactly. I think the answer is right here in the next few verses. I think it has to do with that. Hey, a person who doesn't have the spirit of God who reads it would just say what? Hey, he's just showing a calculation here. He's just trying to show you how deep it is. Look, from your, from your ankle to your knee, it just gives you kind of a picture to understand how deep the water is. That's it. But we know that scriptures aren't just given for information. They're given for application. God has a reason why 
he puts this in here. And it starts to get mystical very quick, so take a look at verse 6. And he said to me, Son of man, has thou seen this? Isn't that funny? The angel looks at him and says, did you see this? I wonder Ezekiel was thinking, like, what do you mean did I see this? Look at me, man. I'm swimming in the water. Hello, I'm swimming. <laughs> yeah, I saw the giant temple. I see water coming out from under it, and you take me in it. I didn't even want to get in the water, and you take me in it. Now I'm soaking wet. What do you mean did I see this? Then he brought me and caused me to turn to the brink of the river. Now when I had turned, behold, at the brink, the bank of the river, were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then said he unto unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down in the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. Interesting. Has it given reference to the Dead Sea in in yours? translation yeah so the waters see if you knew israel you i have this picture in my mind i lived in israel for three months so i i can see how this is all laid out jerusalem is here let's say and you take the one freeway right you take the one out of jerusalem and you go past jericho and then you go right and there to your right is what it's the dead sea there's Masada and Engedi and all of the above right there next to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is beautiful. It sounds dead. It's because it is. There's nothing living in it. Nothing. The salt, the amount of salt in there, I can't remember what the percentage is. It like Anybody know? 30%? Is that about right? 30% salt. This is what happens when you go into the Dead Sea. Well, you start to walk in and your skin just feels crazy. Because it's 30% salt. When you walk in, you go to swim, you turn around your back, all of a sudden you just start floating. You won't sink. Nope. You can't sink. You couldn't sink if you want to. You cannot drown in the Dead Sea. Impossible. Isn't that funny? You can't die in the Dead Sea. John would be proud of that. Yeah, he would. John, if you're listening, that's for you. Die in the Dead Sea. You can't die in it. You can't drown. You can't go under. But don't get the don't get the water in your eyes. You're a dead man. Because you're going to start screaming and yelling like a little baby. Okay, is this stuff? It's salt. I mean, it, it's not like salt water here. You know, you sink when you go out in the ocean. No, this stuff. I'm serious. You'll float. You just. It was awesome. Me and my buddies just goofing off out there, and it feels it's so good for your skin. It's like taking an Epsom salt bath. You know, going to the spa and, you know, doing the whole, you know, whatever you girls do. If I catch any of you guys at this, uh, you better not. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Bobby. How would I catch you? That's a good point. I'm all, I'm all in there. I got the mask on and everything. <laughs> Bobby, what are you doing in here, man? <laughs> okay. Well, this water, this water that is coming from Jerusalem, I can actually see, I mean, it would just be amazing. The water that's coming down from Jerusalem is pouring into where? The Dead Sea. Why would it pour into the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is the lowest part on the earth, they say. It's the lowest part on the earth. 
And that's why water goes in, but nothing comes out of it. Never. And it never will. Water pours in, and nothing will ever pour out. So what happens is all the, just whatever it is, salt and whatever that pours in, even from the ocean or wherever it's come from, um, the water evaporates, and you just get more and more and more salt there in the ground and in that water. But this water is pouring in, and guess what it says here? Do you see that at the end of verse 8? Which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be what? Healed. 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 It's random. These waters will actually be healed. This salty sea will be healed. Take a look at verse 9. And it shall come to pass that every living thing, I'm sorry, everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither whither the river cometh. Verse 10, and it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Engeleum. They shall be a place to spread for their nets. The, their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceedingly many. But the merry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaf shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issue out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. Okay, stop there. So, this water is doing the unbelievable, isn't it? This water is coming into a dead sea and bringing life. This water is creating a river and coming along a desert and creating life. The most lush trees that bloom every single month with fruit, which leaves are used for medicine. Can you imagine the most dead place in this river comes along and brings life? Amazing. You know what this water is? This water is a picture, which I agree with many scholars, to be the gospel. It is the living water. It is Jesus. Do you remember the water that Jesus said he would give to the woman at the well? And she would what? Never thirst. Interesting. Here is the same picture of this water that pours from the temple, pours from the house in the presence of God. It pours out in such a way that even the most dead part of the world will be healed. Even the most desert like place will bear fruit. Amazing. Is it not? 
Is it not true about the gospel family? Do you know what you have? Do you know what the gospel is? Hey, if you don't know what the gospel is, I don't know if you're a Christian. Because the gospel is the message that saves. And if you don't know what that message is, how can you be saved? What is the gospel, Josh? The gospel message is this, very clear. That there was a time when man lived with God in the garden. Man sinned. He did wrong against God. He broke the law of God. He has sinned and now he is a what? Sinner. And the plan of salvation is very simple. God, for some reason, being so gracious to these people who have done wrong against him, takes his own son, sends him down to earth, and allows him to be killed and sacrificed so that there will be a bridge built back to God and man can be in communion with God just like it was back in the beginning. And if you believe that, and if you receive that, and if you affirm that and confirm that by recognizing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, sealing that, then you will have salvation and you will go to heaven when you die and your life will be healed. Very simple message, which a lot of you know already. Communicating that, you do it in different ways with different people. But listen, the gospel message is what saves, is it not? It is the only message that can save, huh? It's not statistics. It's not information. It's not anything that you can do. A lot of times the church and a lot of times people even desire to do certain things to try to save people. You know, the answer is already there for you. It is the gospel message that changes people. I remember when I was back in New York, I was talking to this guy. I'm like, listen, man, you got to preach the gospel. He's like, no, we need to do, we need to get this experience things going. They need to feel the spirit. And I'm like, no, you need to preach the gospel. He's like, no, we need to do this, this, this. I'm just like, okay, listen, your words will do nothing. They don't need a, they don't need a worship experience. They don't need to go and serve in a community. They don't need anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this, why? Because this message is on another level. It is like water that can go into a desert and bring life where there is no life. It is water that can go into a place that is completely dead and bring fish, bring life in this water. And it's so interesting that in the text it depicts when this water comes into the Dead Sea, this place that is dead, what happens? Fish start to come and then what? Fishermen start to come and they catch the fish and they lay their nets out on the rocks. Amazing. Because are we not called to be fishers of men? The exact words that Christ has given us. And so, listen... Maybe things are dead at home. Let's just be honest. Maybe things are dead at work or even within your own life. The gospel hits on so many levels. We do not have time to go through them tonight. But just a few, starting with your own life. Well, the gospel saved me and I'm done with it. Absolutely not. Repent back to your first love. Listen, if you've grown weary of the gospel message, 
the thing that gave you life in the beginning and the thing that will continue to bring you life. If you've grown weary of it, you will never have life. It starts and ends with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. People get extreme on all kinds of things, huh? They just had another issue with someone becoming extremed on Reformed doctrine. Extreme. Becoming extreme on spiritual things, miracles. Becoming, I was like that, yeah. Uh huh. Me, Larry. Healing. I told you guys this before. I believe, I was so extreme on this point for probably about six months. I hammered people. I would hammer you too if you came up and talked to me about it. I would. It was like the center focus. Like, man, people need to be healed. People aren't being healed in this day and age. What's the problem? Why aren't people being healed like in Jesus' day? And so, I'd just be like, man, Jesus wants to heal everybody. The only reason they're not healed is because they don't have enough faith. Yep. Or the person praying doesn't have enough faith. And I would use reasons like because it says in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all thy diseases. All of them. Every single person that came to Jesus was healed. Every single one. He never turned away one person. Why aren't people being healed today? And I would pound people with it because I believe that it was the truth. But if that was true, then I truly believe that anyone who called upon Jesus would be healed. But for some reason, God chooses not to heal in many situations and instances. For what reason? I believe for the gospel. For the sake of the gospel. Why are they born blind? So that God can be given glory. The message that is very clear tonight is that the gospel must stay the center focus of your life till the day that you die. Every single day, it must be the focus of your life. It is the answer. What are you doing today? What did you do with the gospel today? Do you know you have the message that saves? You know the message that brings life. You have the message that changes. What did you do with the gospel today? And what will you do with it tomorrow? Isn't that amazing that you have the actual message that will penetrate deep inside someone's heart and do the unbelievable? It happened for you and it's happened for me. The grace of God is the most incredible thing on this earth and understanding it is something that every one of us must pursue all the days of our life and must begin to apply in our situations in life and to the people around us. So first off, this gospel message is the first love by which you were saved. And I hope, family, that you would start to walk in it every single day, getting back to it. How do you get back to it, Josh? You get on your face in the morning. You say, God, I thank you for saving me. When you pray every time, you know what you should pray? God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your son. You remember Jesus first. You remember the gospel first. I was listening to a preacher the other day, and he said, it's amazing, uh, these prayer meetings that go down. They're not even real prayer meetings. Like, what, are you, what is he talking about? And he's like, this seems to be a prayer meeting. People get together, 
and everybody wants to share about the things that need to be prayed, prayed for. Why? Almost like where it's a little gossip session, you know, like they're able to tell everything that's going on and the times around. You'll even hear it in people's prayers sometimes. You know, they'll like pray every single detail and start telling a story in their prayer like God doesn't know. Lord, you know, I just, I just want to lift up Joey, you know, because he's out getting drunk right now. And, you know, he's just, man, he just really messed up in life, you know, and, and not to mention he cheated on his girlfriend four times. And, God, we just pray that you would, you know, it's like we, 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 we don't need that. But he said many times that's exactly what our prayer life is. It's always asking and beckoning and coming to God. That's what we do. You know what true prayer is? So you know what a real prayer meeting is? Spending time with God and adoring Him. Just spending time with Him. Getting before Him. Recognizing what He's done for you. We're little whiner babies to God, huh? We are these... We complain. And we ask. That's what we are, huh? We're, we're, we're babies. Isn't that what a child does? We come to God and just ask for a bunch of things. And then we walk away. But I'm talking about getting back to a place where you just focus on the things of Christ and remember what he's done for you. Look, this is the only thing that holds me. I hope that you understand here tonight. The only reason I don't run from God and get out of this place is because I've recognized the truth of his gospel message. It is what holds me. If I wanted to leave God right now to say, I'm out of this dump. I can't do this anymore. I'm, out of, I'm not going to seek you anymore. You know what comes to my heart? You know what comes to my mind? The gospel comes. starts to breathe life into me without even trying because I recognize that it's the truth. How can I run from it? Look what he has done for me. Look what he has given me. Don't let the gospel get far from your fingertips. When you come to God every morning, you should thank Him for His Son. You should thank Him for the Gospel and ask Him how you can use this water to bring life to a desert. Maybe you've been asking that question a lot. Maybe you're feeling dry tonight. Hello? You need to get alone with God and go focus on what Jesus did for you. Maybe you're trying to breathe life into someone else. You need to bring the gospel message. It doesn't matter what situation, whether someone is sick, whether someone is depressed, whether someone is going through a hard time financially, is the gospel message not the answer every single time? It is the water once again that brings life to the dead desert and the dead sea. And it brings so much life that you can even start catching these people. Point number one is that the, the water here, the picture, is the gospel message and it is what brings life. But number two, what do we see? We see Ezekiel being taken What? Inch by inch into this gospel, into this message. Hey, level by level into the depths of God and the mysteries of the gospel message. First, he is brought to where? His ankles. Then to his knees. Then to his waist. And then 
to his chest and to a place where he is overtaken by it. And he is in this living water. He is in this gospel. And it is breathing life into him. Now, as I talked earlier about walking with the Lord and figuring out where you are at with God, that's my question tonight. Is where are you at in this water? Where are you at in this gospel message? I can tell you where I'm at. I've seen the stages in my own life. And I know what I'm pressing on towards. I know the goal that I'm seeking after and chasing after. Listen. Look, when you get your ankles wet, when you step in, you come to salvation, huh? You can't believe God has forgiven you. And you've made a commitment to God and said what, Lord, I give you my life. And uh, I just want to walk with you. I want to get away you know, from all stuff. And I'm forgiven. And you're happy that you're forgiven, huh? You remember back to that place? Do you remember that when you were saved? Do you remember when you t- just fire running through your veins? I remember I was a freak, man. I was such a psycho. You can't even believe it. The next day, I was standing there at this church over here off of Jackson in California, Christian Life Center. This guy from Sri Lanka, his name's Leslie Kegel. He's some uh, missionary. He's crazy. Actually, I'm sorry, he lives there. But he's still a missionary to his nation. He's, every bone in his body has been broken for the Lord. His grandma was tied to a pole and burnt to death for the sake of Christ. He's established over a thousand churches there. And he's done the unbelievable. I remember him saying that he was praying that God would uh, send them the money to build this, this church that they needed, this place they needed. And he was praying. It was like $10,000. He's like, God, I, please, Lord, we need the money for the building. Please. The Lord gives him a vision. Go to this house. This man's going to give you the money. He walks up to the door, knocks on the door. The man says, here's the money. I walked away, freaked out. I couldn't even believe it. He said even when he came to the States, he's walked in with no money before, but he just believes that God's going to provide for him. At McDonald's, he was there. I'll never forget this. He said he was standing there, and he just knew that Father would provide for him, so he stood in line. And the guy in front of him turned around and paid for him right there on the spot. We're talking about believing and living in faith in such a way. These things are etched in my mind forever because I couldn't believe the radical movement and the way that he was living I said, God, I want to live like that. So the next day, I got my Bible and I carried it to school. <laughs> yeah. I started carrying it to school, man, and I would do the craziest things. It was in this AVID program my freshman year. AVID is like where you, you know, it's like college prep, you know, for, you know, whatever. I learned it and I just got out. I remember the AVID classroom, man. I, was, I would stand there and the people were yelling at me as I'm, you know, trying to preach the word and the gospel to them. I remember in Bank and Finance Academy, I was in that too for a year. And I would preach to the teacher and I would preach to the students. I remember in, in my government class in, uh, what is it called, Brian? USB. Me and Brian were in USB together. We call it United Student Body. Thank you very much. Sorry. Not ASB. USB at Ramona High School. Whoop. Anyways, um, that's what it was, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, bottom line. Okay. In the avid class, I just being, remember being, I don't think, it was, wasn't my freshman year and my sophomore year. It was my junior year when I preached avid. It was Bank and Finance Academy brothers and people I'd built relationships with that I went back to try to share with them. But it happened in random ways. So I walked around with my Bible all the time, and people would ask me about it. 
And then I started wearing this Jesus Christ jacket. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm I'm a freak, man. I took this Dickies jacket, me and my buddy Jeremy, and we 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 wrote Jesus Christ with a big cross on the back of this thing. And we just I would just walk around school with this thing on every single day. And people were just like they would yell Jesus Christ in the halls. And I just started getting to a point where I said, you know what, I'm not gonna in the halls, I remember always looking down and never looking at people. I just said, I'm going to look at people and say hi to every single person I see. So I started doing it. And I just started to build friends, you know, quickly. And I was in student government. I became, I was vice president of my school. I just got to know a lot of people. And I, I did, I didn't do the best that I could, but I got to lead a couple Bible uh, clubs there. And I took the Ten Commandments and I plastered them. I plastered them on the walls. It was like, like as big as this wall or bigger. Um, I put them on this brick wall uh, over by the uh, parking lot so that everybody could see the Ten Commandments. And then I put illustrations of what each one was under it, of breaking the law of God. And the principal came up and said, Josh, you've got to take that down. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take it down. She's like, we're going to have to suspend you. I'm like, no, I'm not going to take it down. And then um, I went away, and the janitor came and you know pulled it all down. But she didn't suspend me. She was a Christian. But I was a freak, man. And I still messed up, and I still was a, just a jerk and a sinner many times over. But I remember being saved, man, getting my ankles wet. Gosh, just being radical for Christ. No wisdom whatsoever. I was just going for it. That's all I had. I'm just like, I'm going, man. Nobody's going to stop me. But then I remember grace. I remember it was about a couple years later when I walked into this message of the gospel and my knees got wet. My knees got wet. And I recognized that I'd been sinning over and over and over and over and over and that God had kept forgiving me. And I kept thinking that I needed to do good in order to make God happy. And I recognized when a pastor said, hey, look, God's not happy because you do good. God's happy with you because Jesus did good and gave you his life. So God smiles down at you daily because of that. And I was blown away. What? You mean God's happy with me right now? I just messed up. Well, his spirit does grieve. But he still smiles down on you. He's not going to turn his face from you. He's not angry with you. He's angry with sin. When I discovered grace that God would keep forgiving me over and over, even though I kept sinning, you know what it did to me? It burst something so brand new in my life, brand new life. I was a desert, man. I was sitting there dry, and God birthed forth new life. Where I started tasting of God daily, just recognizing, I can't believe your grace. Lord, I messed up again. You're still happy? Yeah, Josh. I'm not... You're not going to make me more happy by reading the word. You're not going to make me more happy by preaching the gospel. You're not going to make me more happy by praying for people or by going to church. You're not going to make me more happy. I'm already as happy as I'm going to be because my son covered your sins. And that's why I'm happy with you. Because he gave me his life for you. When I recognized that grace, it made me want to read my Bible more. Made me want to pray more and seek God's face more. When I recognized his grace... It's the most incredible thing. And I thought it couldn't get any better than that, man. The grace of God. 
But then I went into the desert for four months in Mexico and I lived there and I was taught how to know Jesus intimately. One-on-one, me and Christ and no one else. I don't need anybody else in the world. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. All I have is my God and that is all I need. And that water came up to my loins. It came up to my waist. And I was dipped in such a way that I can't even explain to you. I'm telling you that there are so many Christians walking around in this day who have been forgiven. And you even understand grace that God will keep forgiving you. And you're thankful for that. And you want to live more because of that. But you still don't know your God very well. Because you do not spend time with Him. You can't say you know me if you don't spend time with me. It's like the freshman who says he knows the quarterback. Well, it doesn't matter what the freshman says, right? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know varsity quarterback. We hang out all the time. Really? Oh, when you guys hang out? Well, you know, we, 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 you know, we hang out over there and stuff. Well, when? Well, you know, let's go ask him and see if you guys hang out. Hey, hey, do you know this guy? What are you talking about? What's that little chump doing over here? Get out of here. And it's a sad day when the same may be true with God, is it not? God would never put down in that way, but do you know what I'm saying? You come here tonight. You say you know God. Do you know Him? How much time have you spent with God? Look, I have really close friends. I have people who kind of know me. I have people who know my name but don't know me. Maybe they heard things about me or they, but they don't know me. And I'm telling you that this walk with God can become so incredible for you, even to your waist. Getting into the gospel, recognizing that the door has been opened for you to have full access to the heavenlies, to the throne of God. And very few take advantage of it. Very few seek the face of God. Very few spend time with Him. And I'm telling you that you've got to get alone with Jesus. Just you and Him. You've got to talk to your God. You've got to sit before Him. You've got to take walks with Him. You've got to become intimate with your God. Isn't that the saddest thing? There are so many Christians who have read a book about Him but never spend time with Him. I'm telling you that it is the next level to walking with your God, recognizing what the gospel has done. And I believe, I don't even know what the next is because I'm not there. That's what it's been for my life. That's what I've experienced. That's what's blown my mind. What I believe it is and what I see it is is when I look at a man named Carl who came up to our camp He's 80-something years old. He's been walking with God for, yeah, just that, 70, 80 years. You look at a man, his face beams with the glory of Jesus. And if you even come close to him and he puts his hand on you and starts to talk to you, you're going to be in tears. Because the power of God is in him and he communes with Christ day and night. He's by himself. That's all he does is serve God day and night. He's been married, he's had kids, and his wife's passed on. He's by himself, just waiting to die to go and be with Jesus.
What a life. He's drowning in the river, man. He's just swimming around. Having a blast with the Lord. Just loving on people everywhere that he goes. Bringing the gospel in every manner that he can. He was there where? Alberto's. Yep. Sees a guy in line and does what? Hey, man, let me buy you a burrito. Buys him a burrito. He sits down and starts talking to him. Carl, yeah, in his 80s. Preaches the gospel to him and the guy receives Christ. That was just uh, the week of camp when we were up there. I think that's it. I think that's what it is. It's just when you start, you know the gospel is so rich that you just throw it out. You just throw it out. It's like one drop of water on anybody and it's just going to sprout up in them like never before. It's all it takes. You start preaching the gospel everywhere you go. You live it. It's in you. It's a part of you. You're not worried about how much money you're going to make. You're not worried about what kind of job you're going to have. You're not worried about who you're going to get married to. You're not worried about the kids or anything in family whatsoever. You're like Carl, man. There's nothing else in the world that matters but Christ Jesus. And you lay your life down for the gospel, and you're ready to die on the gospel, preaching the gospel. I remember Chuck Swindoll, an old man who's lived a long life, as he was preaching at Preach the Word. He said, I hope I die preaching. So I hope my last words are something along the lines of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I just drop and my chin hits this pulpit and I just fall over dead. Amen to that. You got to recognize what you have. You got to recognize what God wants to do in your life. You probably have a perspective of planned out of what you have for your life and what you desire and what you want to see in your life. Hope you change that mind and say, God... These are some things that I desire. But the one thing that I will seek after all of my days is your message and your truth. And I will preach daily. And I will live for it daily. And I will spread your kingdom and I will further it all the days of my life. I will swim in this river every single day. I'm not just going to get a little splash. Oh, that was nice. No, I want to be in it. I want to be around it. I want to be a part of it. And I think I'm just, again, I feel like an, I am. I'm an eight-year-old in the Lord. I'm just, oh, that's cute. You're a little eight-year-old, Josh. Oh, that's cute. Learn the ABCs and your one, two, threes. One plus one is two. Wow. But I desire to see greater things amongst the people of God. I want to be closer to my God. I want to be like Moses, man. I want to see God face to face. I want to be like Enoch. I want to walk with him every single day. So much so, I like what John Corson says, hey, Enoch was just walking with God so much, God looked down and said, Enoch, we walk together every single day down on earth. Why don't you just come up here and walk? That's what he did. He said, come on up. It was no big deal for Enoch. He walked right into eternity. It's no different. He had heaven on earth because you walk with God every single day. Can you imagine Jesus here? I felt it so many times in the desert, man, when I'd be taking walks with myself. Some of my closest times to God, I'd be singing and chanting and dance out in the middle of nowhere, just doing the crazy, just walking with my God. And all of a sudden, I would just, I don't know what it was. You just feel that God is just like right there. And it just at a moment and at a place where it's just like, you know what? I don't need anything. I don't even want anything in life. I am completely, wholly satisfied in you, God. I could die right here in this moment. 
You don't even think about anything but God. Being close to Him and oh how I long to get back to that point. I'm so sick of what society has done to me. Just mess me up, man. I came back a freak to society. Best place I was ever at. Because I was with my God, man. I just didn't care. God wants to commune with you. He wants to get alone with you and speak into the depths of your soul words that you can't even imagine. Truths that no one else can tell you. You know what I'm talking about? When you get alone with God and you open that word, God, speak to me. You start reading and no one else is around. All of a sudden, it's just like, it's just, it's just messing you up. All of a sudden, you cry out to God, and you're like, Lord, you've got to help me in this situation. All of a sudden, he just starts speaking to you. Some cra- he so desires to move amongst his people. But what's the problem? You only get ankle deep every day. You don't ever step into his presence. It takes time to get into his presence, you know? You've got to spend time with him. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because I think it's time to end on this note. One of the most spirit-filled people I've ever seen who communes with God every day, this lady, I believe her name is Janine Cutler. And she's a teacher down at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. She's about 40-something, extremely beautiful woman red hair and blue eyes. I remember walking into this room after I'd poured my heart out to one of my buddies in the car. We were at Best Buy and I was just pouring my heart out, all the problems and situations that were happening. Dennis, man, listen to me. Pouring it out, all the crazy things that are going on. And he's like, I'll pray for you. I'm like, okay. So we drive back over to Costa Mesa. That's where we're hanging out with one of my buddies. And we walk into this room and there's this lady, this Miss Cutler. And uh, walk up, and my buddy Josh introduced me to her. I'm like, how's it going? And um, she's like, I need to pray for you boys. Huh? I need to pray for you guys right now. Okay. So we go off to the side, and she sits down there, and she's sitting towards us, and there's us four guys, Stephen, Joshy, Dennis, and me. And we're sitting there in silence. She doesn't say anything. I'm just like, what's going on here? Before I start telling what starts happening, this woman was a missionary for like 20-something years. Still a virgin. Beautiful woman. Couldn't believe it. She's given her entire life up to seek God and to serve Him and to walk with Him. That's it. Just her and God. And so we sit down and we start to pray as me and the boys just sitting there with our eyes closed and our heads bowed and all of a sudden Janine starts to sing angels dance for you the mountains bow at the sound of your name the oceans roar for you she starts to sing to the Lord right in front of us like okay then she starts to speak in some language that I don't know under her breath 
And I'm sitting there like, okay, what's going on here? And then she lays her hand on me and begins to pray. And she starts to pray and starts to pray specific things for my life. She starts to pray all the things that me and my buddy talked about in the car right before I got in there. And my buddy Dennis starts laughing. Because I'm being embarrassed because I poured my soul out to him and the other guys are hearing. And Dennis starts to like chuckle under his breath like he can't even believe what's happening. And Josh, I know you're going through this and you're going through this and you're going through this and God's going to do this for you and God's going to do this for you. I'm sitting there just freaked out. I couldn't believe it. She prays for me for 40 minutes. She prays for me for 40 minutes. And says amen and then walks away. Doesn't pray for the other guys. I guess God was trying to speak to me or something, you know. But you know what? I walked away screaming in the depths of my soul. I want that. God, I want that. That woman knows you. She communes with you daily. All all hours of the day, Lord, she's focused on you. She's given up her life for you. She's pure. couldn't believe it. I came in contact with a prophet, prophetess, blew my mind. But that's what God desires of us. And he has given it to you. And I don't know where you're at in your walk tonight. I don't know what you're doing or what you've been up to, but I'm telling you that God has greater things for you. There may be some in here. You only have a year left to live. Maybe you have six and a half years. Maybe you have 20 I don't know. But I'm telling you that you do not want to miss out on spending time with God and interacting with your Creator before you die. You need to draw close to Him. He's given you the message that changes, blesses, and motivates and encourages lives. It is the message that will bring life to you instantly. It is water that you can drink and expect every single time to be refreshed to be built up and encouraged. You get alone with God and talk to Him about it and see what happens. Are you burnt out tonight? Are you tired? Are you weary? You need to get alone with God. You need to get in the river of life and allow God just to pour into you and revive that dead soul. Open your eyes to the truth and the great things that He has for you. He'll use anybody here in this room. Do you know that? Anyone. Anyone, not me, Josh, you know, any one of you. He used a stuttering man to lead the people of Israel through that Red Sea. Couldn't even talk. God will use anyone in here, if you're willing. And so can we lift our hands and say, God, here am I? We say, God, please take me to the place of drowning in your love and in your truth and in your message. Like Carl. Being blown away all the days of our lives. Can we do that? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Huh? Father, we are your people and we are forever thankful for your son. We have not forgotten tonight what you've done for us, King. We have not forgotten that you shed your blood Your body was broken and beaten and nailed to that cross 
for atonement. An atonement for us so that we could walk away forgiven forever and ever. And that's a long time. We come to you tonight offering ourselves. We come to you tonight lifting our hearts. Saying, here my God, use me, use this vessel, use this body. Use this bag of bones and flesh to glorify you and to bless you and to serve you and to bring many into your kingdom, to breathe life into people. God, use this mouth. As I speak, Lord, fill it with words that will penetrate people. Please, God, fill us. Fill this soul with the desire to seek you and bless you all the days of our lives. Fill us so much so, Lord, help us to be swimming in this river of life so much so that sin is so far up from us, we don't even think about it. We're not even near it. When the flesh tries to stir up, Lord, there's water in our face, and we are refreshed instantly. Lord, every time we run from you, I pray that we would repent and jump back into that pool immediately. We jump into that river and be basking in your truth and your love. I pray this for everyone here as we lift our hands, God. Fill us with your spirit. As we lift our hands, O oh God, please hear our hearts. God, those that desire to seek you, please meet them right where they're at. And Father, I pray for every single one that they would get alone with you. That they would get alone with you and they would talk to you. They would open their mouth and speak to you and then listen to you, minister to them, O oh please, God. I pray for greater things. I pray that, God, there would be many prophets here in this room, evangelists, apostles, and pastors, and teachers, Lord. I pray that there would be powerful people here that make the change and chase you all the days of their life, like Carl, ready to die, not caring about anything in the world but you. Oh, change us, God. Change our heart, oh God. Make us ever new. We lay our lives before you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you, family, and I want the best for you. Don't forget the words tonight. These are some of the most precious words I could ever give to you. The gospel message is the most precious thing that we have. Don't forget it. Don't you get off on any tangent. Don't you get focused on anything but Jesus and the gospel message every day for the rest of your life. And you will be blessed. I promise you that. Amen. So go. Go in the name of Jesus, proclaiming the truth to all men. Hey, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples. Taking people under your wing. Ministering and building up. Living for your King all day, every day. Tomorrow, hey, tonight when you leave, pray for people. In Jesus' name. Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. In, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. See you guys next week.